Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by, well, frankly, no one, actually. It's just me today, and I'm going to be talking about the ongoing series of X-Book titles that were released following House of X and Powers of Ten, titled Dawn of X. Uh, Y'all, it's been 10 episodes now of Class of X, and uh, the question I get the most from the community members and friends of the show is, what do I read after House of X, Powers of Ten, which I'm going to refer to after this point as Hawks Pox, because it's a lot less things I have to say. So we started off this show talking about this soft reboot by Jonathan Hickman, and what I wanted to do this episode was take it as an opportunity to help people who took my advice and read that event and guide them towards the best things for them to read after they're done. If they really enjoyed that story and want to continue, I want to give them more. The good news is that there are almost no bad choices among the titles they released after Hawks Pox. The bad news is there are almost no bad choices. So I apologize, I mean, basically to your wallet, if after this episode, you end up spending all your monies on comics. I mean, you know, oh, well, worse things to buy, I'm sure of. So let's get into it and talk about some really good X-Men stories. And we can start that off with the flagship title. X-Men. This is technically considered volume five. The way they split up a lot of X-Men, you know, series is that they'll put them into volumes. And those are kind of like big moments in time of the title. So you can kind of go and, and pick up at certain points. This is volume five. It was by Jonathan Hickman. So he went from Hawks Pox and went straight into writing the flagship title. And it debuted in October of 2019. So what this series covers is a few things. One of which is the ongoing feud that the X-Men and the mutant nation of Krakoa, um, this this feud they have with Orcus. Now, if you remember, if you if you listen to if you read Hawks Pox, Orcus is this gathering of human organizations that are responding to this big mutant event. And while it seems like the X Men seemingly defeated some of their stuff, Orcus is still around. They come back, and this title covers a lot of that feuding at least some of it because it continues on for quite a while it's also the entrance of something that is super important for uh the history of x-men at this point um, or this point going forward which is this emergence of a second island off the coast of Krakoa. If you remember, Krakoa is the living mutant island that all of the mutants live on now, but another island that seems to also share similar traits to Krakoa appears off the shore, not far from the island. And this island has a name too. It's called Arako. And I won't give anything more away about this island, but it's Super interesting and very important for uh, the the next big crossover event that happens after Dawn of X, which is X of Swords. And I'll talk about that a little bit more when I get to talking about Excalibur. So Arako shows up. Um, it's also, it explores a little bit more of how the mutants are integrating further into, you know, the workings of world governments. Um, you get to see Apocalypse wearing a business suit which I think that's a reason enough to like pick up a comic uh, because who doesn't want to see this big, big beefy mutant man wearing a three piece suit. It's fantastic. 
they also uh, venture into furthering the story of the vault. Now, the vault is something that, unless you've read a lot of comics from you know the 2000s, you might not know what this is. But essentially, the vault was a place where a group of post-humans, which are kind of like the next step of like uh, mutants, which they, they covered a little bit in Hawkspox, they uh, held up in this kind of encapsulated bubble lab where time moves differently than the rest of earth in fact it moves at a pace that is a thousand times faster than outside in normal earth so if you spend a minute inside the vault those standing outside the vault see you go in for a minute you could come out and it have been years you know and the vault houses the children of the vault who are enemies of the x-men and the vault again introduces some really interesting stories in this dawn of x era uh uh it leads to x23 who is now wolverine and a mutant character called darwin and sink and they go in on a mission on there that uh, i love it's one of my favorite x-men stories in a in maybe of all time i i adore it um it also explores another uh, this X-Men Volume 5 also explores another relationship that I have a lot of vested interest in. It's Mystique and her wife, Destiny. Thank God it is, you know, at the time reading this, it's it's the, you know, the year 2019, 2020, and Mystique is finally able to call Destiny her wife. Um, you know, because of censorship and people's problems with the LGBTQ terminology, Mystique, it was only be able to be insinuated that they had this kind of relationship. And so now that all the mutants are allowed to be as gay as, as they want, um, Mystique is dealing with the fact that she has a deal with Professor X and the Quiet Council and that she will continue to run missions for them and serve on the Quiet Council. But they have promised that they will eventually resurrect destiny who's been dead for like 20 30 years long time um and she wants her wife and it's a little bit of that dissonance that occurs via that agreement because unbeknownst to mystique xavier and magneto were given expressed uh you know mission statement from moira saying whatever you do don't bring back destiny. So it's a lot of like uh, arguments and 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 problems there, and it's fantastic. X Men Volume Five by Jonathan Hickman was wonderful. I highly recommend it. It's a great follow up to Hawkspox. If you read Hawkspox and you're just all fired up and want more of that exact thing, X Men is the continuation of that story. So it it's definitely should be on your to do list. Uh, another one that is fantastic because frankly they're all fantastic is a title called Marauders and it's written by uh, Gary Duggan um, and Vita Ayala and Benjamin Percy and that also debuted in October of 2019. Now the name Marauders some might recognize that from X-Men history it was originally a actually a group of evil mutants led by uh, Mr. Sinister and they were doing missions for Mr. Sinister that were, you know, dirty missions and, and nasty things. I'm using very, very uh, polite terminology. But this new series that is titled Marauders and is not just a team, but it's a title for a comic. Um, this stars 
mainly Kitty Pride, as well as some characters like Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw. Now, Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw, they're originally from a group of mutants called the Hellfire Club. And this is a rich group of, at the time, evil mutants that... Um, we're also doing not so nice things, but now that all mutants are, you know, called home to Krakoa and now are given like their second chance that, you know, even though Emma has spent, you know, at this point years and years working with the X-Men and redeem yourself, Sebastian Shaw, he's still not a, not a nice guy and was up to this point a, you know, villain to the, to the X-Men, but now they're bringing them all in. And this is kind of. Sebastian Shaw finding his place in the workings of, you know, the X-Men and Krakoa. Um, a big part of this series is uh, the introduction of this weird problem that Kitty Pride, some might know her as, na- as like Shadow Cat. Um, Kitty Pride, ironically, as the mutant who can literally phase through all objects and no door is closed for her, can't for some reason pass through the Krakoan gates. The Krakoan gates, if you remember, are planted by these flowers provided by Krakoa, and they can be planted anywhere on the planet, anywhere, frankly, in the universe, and they're a you know point-to-point transportation right back to Krakoa. It's their transportation network. But ironically, Kitty can't go through them for some reason. In fact, the first time she goes through, she kind of hurts herself in a certain way. Um, I don't want to give it away, but um, it's it's visible. And so it's kind of dealing with that problem. Kitty can't go to Krakoa via the gates, so she has to transport herself there via ship because Krakoa is an island. They don't fly airplanes to Krakoa. So the only way to get there is via a uh, boat. Um, and I, I'll give you th- three good guesses as to what the name of the boat is, um, considering the title of the book. Um, it's also th- uh, Emma and Kitty and Sebastian Shaw kind of dealing with this concept they knew that was going to arise from the introduction of the Krakoan medicines was that if you introduce a miracle drug, if you introduce a new uh, fancy pharmaceutical onto the market, inevitably along with that will come a black market that will try to, you know, peddle these goods to those um, who don't have access to them or don't have money from them to try to do it, you know, through, you know, less than legal means. So the X-Men, being smarties, they're very smart, those X-Men, they go, well, if we're going to have, you know, the regular market, we might as well also control the black market. And so they go ahead and preemptively do that themselves and start control the black market. Now, this isn't just for like, this isn't for like nefarious reasons. These are actually, it's actually for altruistic reasons because with the introduction of Krakoa and the welcoming of it to like the United Nations and that kind of thing, there are still a lot of countries that don't recognize Krakoa, not so nice countries. And so because they don't recognize Krakoa, they don't get the gates, they don't get the medicine. And so that leaves a lot of mutants stranded in these countries, um, unable to get to Krakoa, this paradise that is promised to them. And it leaves a lot of just people without access to this very helpful drug that the X-Men know people should just have access to. And so they control the black market of that along the way, also transporting mutants to Krakoa who can't get there. Um, And so Kitty kind of 
leads that charge with the help of Emma and a bunch of other X-Men. Iceman is there. Um, he's also dating at the time Christian Frost, who is Emma Frost's brother. Um, it's a lot of wonderful gayness. Um, it's great that a mutant with the code name Iceman is dating a mutant whose last name is Frost. It's wonderful. Um, Emma and Kitty at some point get into kind of a, a, a battle uh, with Sebastian Shaw and they come to terms that um, creates this really cool relationship between them all. It's also where the introduction of this annual event that turns into a big giant size issue, kind of like giant size X-Men that we talked about in a previous uh, episode. Uh, but the event is called the Hellfire Gala. And it's kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of, of, of a play on the Met Gala, which is a real world event that we all know about where people come for a big, uh, I think it's a charity. I don't really know much about the Met Gala all, other than people show up fancy AF. Um, and that's what the Hellfire Gala is. It was, um, I think it was just a partly a way for them to give all these artists who are working on the comics a chance to like, what if you could dress all of the X-Men and mutants and even other superheroes in like high fashion concepts and just go wild. You know, don't, you don't even have to abide by the laws of physics. Cause these are superheroes that can do crazy things. What if part of Jean Grey's, you know, outfit for the Hellfire Gala involved her suspending objects around her, you know, in kind of a fixed state. And, and it goes on with all the mutants in that way. And so the Hellfire Gala was this annual event that they've they've run every year now. It's fantastic. It's but it's also this event where they it's the only time of the year that they uh, invite non mutants to come to Krakoa. Only a select group of people. A lot of like uh, dignitaries and superheroes. Captain America goes. I think they even invite Doctor Doom because he's you know the, he runs his own country, even though he's a nasty man. And they kind of use it as an opportunity to show off to the humans because that's a lot of the themes about this new era of the X-Men is they are like, we are no longer in the shadows. We are a recognized nation. We are amazing. We can do things you never imagined. So come to our island and we're going to show off. And I don't want to give away an ounce of what happens at the first Hellfire Gala, but you need to read it. It is so cool it's so innovative the thing these writers the things these writers come up with of like what can the x-men do to impress the world um, beyond the creation of this island nation and it's wonderful and that's introduced in marauders because emma obviously uh, with her sense of style and and panache for throwing parties she runs the hellfire gala and so that's marauders by uh, by uh the gary duggan and vita Ayala and benjamin percy and it's it's also super fun it's 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 a pirate series you know the, the kitty is you know a pirate captain it's it's so good it's very fun um and very satisfying um that the the next one i want to talk about after marauders is what i talked about a second ago which was excalibur um this is excalibur volume four by teeny howard and this also debuted in october of 2019 so this was launched along with you know the end of Hawksbox. and so excalibur is actually an uh, an old title for a comic that's why it's volume four the original excalibur was created by our good friend chris claremont and the amazingly talented artist alan davis um and it combined two Marvel properties at the time, which was X-Men and Captain Britain. Now, Captain Britain is the brother 
of a mutant you might know well named Elizabeth Braddock, um, often referred to as Psylocke. Um, and the original Excalibur was a, it was a British series for the X-Men. It took place in the UK. It was starring a bunch of UK, um, uh, you know, English mutants, but also starring certain mutants that we recognize from the American X-Men. Had It had Shadowcat. It had um, uh, Rachel, you know, Phoenix. Um, it had Nightcrawler. Um, and so this is volume four of Excalibur. And so this also does take a lot of those, you know, themes into account for the new series and takes place in, you know, the UK. And in this series, at this point now, Betsy, who I got to give you a little bit of backstory at one point. So Betsy's originally a white English woman, uh, you know, from a prestigious English family. But at one point, because of a uh, bad guy from another dimension, essentially, um, named Mojo, he puts Betsy into the body of this Japanese assassin. And so that's why when you think of Psylocke, you're thinking of a you know, Japanese woman with with long black hair who's this ninja assassin, you know, wearing a scantily clad, you know, costume. But that wasn't her original body. And that wasn't even her original body in the comics. She was for a long time, she was in her own normal body with purple hair. Um, uh, by the way, I, I said black hair. Psylocke has always been known to have like this purple hair. Um, but she had this like light, you know, pastel purple hair in her original body. And so at this point... Betsy is now back in her original body, which is great because it's always been a little bit, mm, let's call it problematic to to kind of like stick a white woman in a Japanese woman's body and then leave her there for forever. And so it was like, it was sort of representation for the Asian people, you know, the Asian population, but it was also like, it's, she's, it's a white woman. So it was always like just convoluted and kind of created this mixed feelings that a lot of people had about, you know, loving Psylocke. Cause she's a really cool character. And Jim Lee, who was famous for drawing her design did a fantastic job of just creating a really cool looking character with a cool, you know, Psylocke had a great, a great power set, but now she's back in her original body and, even better she's now captain britain who is this uh protector of not just our their reality but of all realities um and he comes from a place called other world which i'll talk about a little bit more in a second but now uh her brother who's always been the captain britain um he brian braddock is his name uh betsy is now the new captain britain and it's kind of going through a little bit of that story it also involves a lot of uh stuff with apocalypse if you remember from hawks pox apocalypse who was a bad guy for a very long time um is now given his second chance and a big you know ongoing theme for this new crack cohen era this part of dawn of x is exploring redemption for mutants and not just you know mutants that you know cross the street when they shouldn't have but also like challenge i think that what they want to do is they they were challenging these writers to see you know these villains have always been such a popular and loved part of the x-men comics and it's not just because of the bad guys they're also just interesting characters interesting designs interesting power sets can you redeem some of those characters and bring them into the fold of this new mutant nation as part of the X-Men. And they try that with Apocalypse. And frankly, they kind of succeed. And so Apocalypse is working with 
Betsy and this group of mutants, and he's introducing this concept of mutant magic. Apocalypse is is centuries old. He is ancient, and so he knows things like of you know the old ways of magic. And so he's introducing mutant magic, and so the, there's this new uh, gate, this Krakoan gate that appears that allows them to go to Avalon, which is a part of Otherworld. Avalon is where Captain Britain, you know, resides to to protect the the realities. And um, if Avalon sounds familiar, you're like, I think that's like King Arthur stuff. It's like, that's what this is. This is kind of, it pulls a lot of its uh, story from and its themes from. In fact, a, a, a antagonist in this volume of Excalibur is... Morgan Le Fay, Morgan Le Fay from, you know, Knights of the Round Table lore, she's a Marvel character. You know, they they bring in characters from real mythologies and lores all the time in comics. You know, Thor is a character and Hercules is and that kind of thing. Well, Morgan Le Fay is. And so she's part of this because there used to be this clan called Clan Akaba who worshipped, you know, Apocalypse. He is this ancient, you know, deity-like mutant to them. But at this point in the story, they's, they've lost faith in Apocalypse because he's turned from them to embrace Krakoa and embrace the mutant nation as he is now. And so now they're aligned with Morgan Le Fay. They hate mutants, and now they're a coven. They're coven Akaba. Akaba. Um, and so they're a little bit of the antagonist as well. And a lot of this integrates um and uh, into and gives more backstory into this mysterious island i talked about it earlier arako that shows up off the coast of krakoa and arako has deep connection to apocalypse and there are and there's history there and again it all comes to uh, to a head um later on in this huge crossover event called x of swords and while I'm not going to talk much about X of Swords right now, because I think I'd love to read that someday with a, a a friend for this for an episode for the show, X of Swords is the first crossover event that happened after Hawksbox, and it is so fun. And so it, I'm going to recommend almost all of these titles, but if you can read Excalibur, um, Teeny Howard was having the time of her life writing this clearly, and it's so fun. It's a lot of fantasy. Um, if you're if you like when the X-Men get very uh, uh, gay, it gets gay. <laughs> if that's any sort of selling point for this stuff, it is for me. Um, and it's magical and it's 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 fantastic. Excalibur volume four. Get it. Um, another one that is a title that isn't the first time a, a book's had this title is New Mutants. You've heard me talk about New Mutants before on this show. Um, New Mutants Volume 4 was written by Jonathan Hickman and Ed Brisson, um, and it debuted on November of 2019, so shortly after Hawks Pox. Um, now, originally, you know, the New Mutants was its own title, and it was... Uh, uh, the, the 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 one volume four is written by Jonathan Hickman, but the original one was part of Chris Claremont's whole era. And they basically the editors at the time were like, X Men is so popular, I need you guys to write a spin off. We need you to have a story about the new mutants that we're all gonna learn about. And so they basically ran with that title and created this this new team of young mutants who are all in like, you know, the same uniform, like the original X-Men were when they were, when they were first introduced and they're all these students and they're young and it had characters like Cannonball and, and Karma and Magic and all these wonderful, you know, staples of X-Men history now. And so the new 
title um, written by those two authors kind of took this little back and forth with two teams. Um, Jonathan would kind of write uh, uh, an issue and then Ed would write an issue and they kind of would jump back and forth between stories. Kind of like how like, you know, Game of Thrones would have multiple storylines going on at the same time and they kind of bounce around as you watch the show. This is kind of how that was. And so the first team had mutants like Chamber, who's from Generation X, and Cypher, who is the translator for Krakoa, and Karma, who's from the New Mutants, and Magic, who's the the, the sister of Colossus and at this time still leader of Limbo, um, a hellish dimension. Uh, Mirage, who was part of the New Mutants, and Mondo's from Generation X, and Sunspot and Wolfsbane, who were also from the original New Mutants. And then the other team kind of had some other new 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 uh, younger mutants um like armor um who's this great addition from uh, a new x-men and astonishing x-men and there's also boom boom who's from x-force and there's glob and maxime and menon and it kind of goes through a little bit of their stories they pay a visit to beacon angel who are these characters from new x-men written by grant morrison and it's them trying to visit them to see if they'd moved krakoa because they were living on this little farm out in the middle of nowhere um it also introduces a uh uh, antagonistic country they, they it's comics like to create fictional countries because it becomes less problematic as history evolves and you haven't like written like a story just about uh, an actual real country so like latveria is doom's country it's a fake country um wakanda is you know black panther's fake country well nova roma is this fake country in brazil that is preventing mutants from leaving and the new mutants go and deal with that they also introduce a new character a new mutant who's dealing with very troublesome powers um named hershey's later named cosmar and she also lives in this fictitious country called Carnelia. It's basically like a, like almost like a Russian country is from that area. Um, they also discover this mutant hating website that tells people where mutants are so they can go and do bad things. And the, the website is literally called docs, which is a little bit hitting the nail on the head, but um, the, the, New Mutants Volume 4 is very fun. It's fun to kind of have this back and forth of going through these characters and stories. Um, and uh, if if you like New Mutants Volume 4, New, New Mutants Volume 5 is also great. They New Mutants is one of the titles that is still going on to this day, even, you know, in a post-Hoxpox world. Um, so New Mutants, highly recommend it. There are more titles that are beyond the ones that I've listed that come out after Dawn of X, and I want to talk about those more, and I am. I'm actually going to record another episode just like this, and I'm going to tell you about uh, whether or not you should read X-Force, Volume 6, by Benjamin Percy, or if you should check out Fallen Angels, by uh, Volume 2, by Brian Edward Hill, or Cable, Volume 4, also by Gary Duggan, um, or Hellions, which is a fun title, by Zeb Wells. Um, or X Factor by Leah Williams, um, and, and even talk a little bit about Wolverine by Benjamin Percy. There were so many titles that they released after Hoxpox, and so many of them are so good. I didn't want to overwhelm you with too many recommendations in one episode. I also didn't want to like record for a whole hour of you having to just listen to me talk to myself about X Men. If that's your thing, 
cool. I appreciate that you like to listen to me talk, but I don't like to listen to me talk for an hour. So I'm going to split this into two episodes, two short episodes that I'm going to release after each other. Um, I'm excited to tell you about more of these titles. I also want to talk to you about, they did a whole run of giant size X-Men that wasn't just Hellfire Gala. There was, there was more than that. And I want to talk to you about which of those you should check out and what they were about. Um, I want to give you a little bit more insight into how to prepare for X of Swords if you want to read that crossover event. And if you do, you might be preparing for an episode that will release uh, soon or, 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 you know, soon after this about X of Swords. If I can get a friend of mine to read it with me, it'll be a really confusing one for someone to get into just, you know, out of nowhere. But, you know, that's the challenge of this show. Can I get people who know nothing about what's going on with the X-Men to be able to read it and enjoy it? And I think that experiment is working. I'm enjoying doing this show. This episode was really fun. I, I do hope it is helpful in some way in informing you what to read after Hawkspox. Um, if you liked this style of an episode, let me know on socials or in you know Discord. Uh, we have a Discord for Class of X. And let me know uh, if you want me to do this with any other episodes we've done. I know I kind of leave you guys with at least some information to read the titles we're talking about. But, you know, it can still be confusing after that to know what to continue to read after that. Because, you know, say you read House of M and you're like, this is crazy. Like, well, what do I need to read after House of M? Um, there is there is some material there for you to know what you should continue to read. Um, so if there's stuff like that from episodes, you want me to do episodes like this about it, please let me know. I'm so grateful for everyone's support for the show, the Patreon people, the people on socials, the people in the Discord. I'm really enjoying this. Thank you for staying in for this uh, different kind of an episode. We'll be having guests again. I've actually got a good friend of mine named Griffin, and she's going to uh, read with me a great run of Mystique solo comics. I'm so excited to reread that with her and talk to you guys about it. So we will be having normal episodes again. This was just an opportunity to talk about this kind of stuff. And, you know, it kind of drives home the point of this podcast. It's here to, to help people read more X-Men comics without the confusion that can come from it. And I hope it has done that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, your week, your month, your year. I'm now just reciting lyrics from the Friends theme song. I'm going to stop talking now. You guys have a good one. I'll catch you next time. Bye.